That's the first American officer I've met. Hills, isn't it? Captain Hill, actually. 17 escape attempts. 18. Tunnel man, engineer. Flyer. I suppose what's called in the American army a hotshot pilot. Unfortunately, you were shot down anyway. So we are both grounded for the duration of the war. Well, you speak for yourself, Colonel. Hour three of a Tuesday on this 19th day, December 2023. Gatto's Tire and Auto Service, our hour sponsor. Headline at BillMick.com this morning is uh, work, play, and coffee. Well, now we're going to get down to some real work because Dave puts in a lot of it. Dave Bowman with us, bringing us Dave Does History. I'm still getting a delay on this uh, speech for a moment. So anyway, we'll live with that. I'll figure it out somewhere along the way. Dave, when we're talking the great escape, and there's more to the story than we knew. You know, 1963 was a great year. Not only did uh, Cleopatra come out that year, but the the great escape did, and I was born that year. So it was, in fact, a great year. Plus, Roger (laughs) Staubach won the Heisman Trophy. and The Great Escape is one of those movies that everybody has seen at some point. Mm Mm-hmm. But you're not really sure sometimes what to think about it because it's obviously Hollywooded up, right? I mean, there's no way anybody would really do this. And there's almost a an undercurrent of this is what led to Hogan's Heroes, because Hogan's Heroes, of course, is is the same kind of kind of thing. You got these Luftstalag prisoners who are, you know, getting the best of the Germans in a, in a funnier way, obviously than the film, but sure. it's, it, it, it's an entertaining time, I guess, for, for humor about those kind of things. The thing most people don't realize, of course, is that there actually was a great escape. The film, the great escape, the 1963 film, while it is an amalgamation of things, Virtually everything you see in there, with the exception of the motorcycle scenes with Steve McQueen, who wanted those put in there because he was the the hot superstar actor at the time, and he wanted he was to show Tom off Cruise motorcycle rider of his day. He was, yeah. and he wanted to show off his skills, his motorcycle skills on film. And in fact, he plays one of the Germans on the motorcycles chasing himself. So it's kind of a kind of an interesting trivia, but. That's pretty cool. That scene is, those scenes are, are are not realistic. Those didn't happen. But basically everything else in that film did happen. And it happened almost exactly the way they portray it in the film. It's been too long since I've seen the movie. I, I'm going to have to go back and watch it now. It is a great film. It's a long film, but it's long because they they had to show some certain things but they there's a lot of this that's just it's just fantastic stuff and you you watch this and you go well okay plus they had to americanize it up they had to give you this this Virgil Hiltz character played by Steve McQueen who is you know clearly clearly just added to to appeal to the american audience right that's the only reason he would be there but what if i told you that no he is actually based on a real American character who was there, an actual American officer, flying officer who was there, who did many of the things, not the motorcycle scenes, that Virgil Hiltz actually does, and helps participate in all of this 
this great escape. He actually participates in it. He does not actually get out. He does not actually escape. But he's part of the planning. He's part of the digging. He's part of the preparation. He's part of all of that. That would be amazing enough right there. Sure. But what if I told you that the great escape for this particular American, who was portrayed by Steve McQueen in The Great Escape, was just the second act of his of, of his life story. This guy is an American hero who deserves a lot more respect and credit than we perhaps give him because of because of Virgil Hiltz in The Great Escape. What if I told you it's just the second act? Well, we'll tell you the rest like of the you story. Want to hear the rest of it. Yeah. yeah, we'll tell you the rest of it right after this. So, Dave, we've got a real American hero here. And I guess the rest of the story is as big as The Great Escape is. His name is David M. Jones, and he is born December 18th, which is yesterday, I know that, but December 18th, 1913. And like most American kids of that era, he grows up, and as the World War begins to approach America, he decides he better join the military. So he enjoy he joins the United States Army in the night in 1939-1940. He is a cavalryman. He's a horse soldier in the early part of the war, and it's okay. I mean, by all accounts, he's very good at it. He's very successful. He's very handsome. He's very intelligent. And one day he's walking back to the barracks, and he he runs into an old friend of his who's hurrying the other way, and his friend says to him. Hey, how you doing? You know, they greet each other. He says, where are you going? Well, I'm going to a flight physical. I'm going to be an Army Air Corps aviator. And David Jones says, hey, you know what? I'll go with you, and I'll try. And, of course, he passes the physical because he's a, he's a great specimen. He's a very Steve McQueen-esque uh, specimen. He enters the Army Air Corps. He's never flown before in his life. His very first flight, he gets just deathly ill. I mean, he's he's throwing up the whole nine yards. Said he didn't eat breakfast for the entire time he was in flight training because he was afraid he was going to throw up again. Which I can, you know, I can understand that. I mean, it's flying. And it it's not like flying today. It you know, this was your head's hanging out the window kind of flying. But as it turns out, David M. Jones is a really, really good flyer. And he becomes one of the best pilots of his class, and he becomes one of the best pilots in the United States Army Air Corps. So good, in fact, that he has chosen to be part of the first squadron, one of the first squadrons, that's actually equipped with the B-25 Mitchell bomber, which is really new at this point. It's a very difficult plane to fly. It's a very difficult plane to land because of the tricycle gear. And he is very, very good at it. In fact, in his squadron, he is considered to be the best B-25 pilot in the squadron. Now, keep in mind, this is late 1941. And his squadron is being sent to the West Coast where they're going to participate in war games. But by the time they get there, December 7th has happened and the nation is at war. His squadron continues to train. And very quickly, within... A few weeks after the Pearl Harbor attack, they are chosen for a very, very special mission. A mission that's so secret 
that it has to be 100% volunteer. They don't know what the mission is. They have no clue where they're going, what they're going to do. But they all volunteer for it. All 25 crews in the squadron volunteer for it. And they begin to train for very short takeoffs, very quick takeoffs, and very long flights over water. They have no idea what they're doing. But then in April, they're loaded aboard the USS Hornet, and they sail out of San Francisco Bay. And as soon as they get under the Golden Gate Bridge, the captain comes on the speaker and tells them, Gentlemen, you are going to go bomb Tokyo. That's right. David M. Jones is one of the pilots of the B-25s that will be part of the Doolittle Raid on Japan in April of 1942. This, Bill, is his first combat mission. His first mission is you're going to take off from the aircraft carrier USS Hornet which you can still visit in Alameda, and you are going to fly over water 600 miles, and you are going to bomb Tokyo, and then you're going to try to get away. Because you're not going to, because of the way things worked out, uh, have enough gas to make it all the way to where we were supposed to go. In fact, as they're flying through the air towards Japan, one of his crew members comes on the intercom and says, Captain, we don't have enough gas. And his response is, you're right, we don't. And he turns the intercom off. <laughs> they continue to make their attack. They get uh, they get over Tokyo. They do their 30 seconds over Tokyo. This is the guy's first bombing mission. This is his first combat mission, is bombing Tokyo in April 1942. It's part of the Doolittle Raid. He makes it to, Japan, uh, to China, where he manages to escape and return to the United States having been a part of the Doolittle Raid. Now, if that's not enough for one man in one lifetime, wouldn't you think it would be? Yeah. But because he's such a good pilot, they send him to North Africa. And in North Africa, he's flying B-25s again as part of the campaign in uh, North Africa. And it's there that things are going to take a little bit of a different turn. He's still a very good pilot. In fact, uh, when his plane gets shot down, he's going to do something Really, it's the kind of thing you only see in in the movies, almost. But he's going to survive that, and he will be taken prisoners by the Germans and taken to Luftstalag 3, where the great escape is going to be the second act of his life. How interesting is that? I think it's fascinating. It is. And... For that guy to have that set of skills and to be in this many events that are integral, that's pretty cool to hear. Though. It's one of those stories that we don't tell, and you know the version that we got is Steve McQueen's Virgil Hilt, which is a great version of it. Yeah, and we'll tell it here on Bill McLaughlin.
It is Dave Does History. Gatto's Tire and Auto Service bringing you this hour of the program. Hey, don't forget this weekend, coming up the 21st, the 22nd, and 23rd is the Junie the Red-Nosed Bloodhounds Christmas Light Fest. Happens on Camp Road in Cocoa, December 21st and 22nd, 23rd. Gates open 630 to 930. Light a Space Coast Tradition. $10 per car load. Load them up. Go out and help the uh, Brevard County Sheriff's Charity, the uh, Sheriff's Department, and Fire Rescue all participating in this. It's going to be an interesting event. Details at WMMBAM.com. Hey, Dave, we got a call during the break, and Bob in Lake Washington says he actually met and knew David Jones and said in his later life, he was still in when Bob went in, apparently, and said every plane he got on, Jones wanted to fly. Yeah, he was a pilot, and he was a good one. And that'll be Act 3, but at the moment, we're only up to Act 2. Yeah. So this is a guy that's already flown on the Doolittle Raid. He's one of the Doolittle Raiders. Survived that. Went back into combat in North Africa, where once again, he's flying B-25s in combat. And he's a good pilot, but, you know, even good pilots, you, know, you always got to give the enemy some credit. I mean, they're not... Uh, they're not not trying, right? And they manage mm-hmm. to hit his plane and shoot it down. He actually takes this B-25 down, and as he described it, there's two knolls kind of hilled, but the only flat space is between them. And so he lands his plane, belly lands it, in the flat spot. The two hills rip the wings off. The guy that's the bombardier uh, actually gets kind of pushed out and, and falls out behind him, but, but they all survive. The whole crew survives. They pull off one of the, one of the elevators. They use that as a stretcher to carry the bombardier guy. And they start trekking back towards where they think the allied lines are. But of course they're not. In the meantime, they run into a, a German patrol. And he, as he put it, the German patrol uses the classic line, the war is over for you gentlemen. You are my prisoners. They take him prisoner, and through a long series of interrogations and transfers and the like, they end up in the famous Luftstalag 3, which is the Luftstalag that is portrayed in the film The Great Escape, which is where he begins to work with the X unit, and Big X is a real guy, Roger Bushnell, Bushell. These characters are in many ways amalgamated, but they are also specific individuals. And as an American officer in this Stalag Luft III, which is primarily British airmen, he's one of the few actual Americans. And of course, he has that same devil-may-care attitude that that Steve McQueen brings to the role of of Stephen Hill, of, of, Steve, of Virgil Hiltz right down to the whole Captain Hiltz thing when he flips up his his collar and reminds the the CEO that he is, in fact, an American officer, and you will treat me with the same respect. He is kind of the cooler king kind of guy. He keeps getting sent to the cooler for, for doing those sorts of things. And he starts to participate as best he can in the escape committees. Now, the way this is set up in the Luftstalags is... It is the duty of all prisoners of war to try to escape. They have to keep doing this kind of stuff. But for the most part, in the first couple years, 
they're just doing small time stuff. Two, two or three guys at the most, one, two or three guys breaking out, cutting out through the wire or whatever. And it seems that it's more common than the Germans really wanted you to believe that it is. In fact, in some ways, it becomes like a game between the, the POWs and the German guards. They actually refer to it at one point as a sport. We escape, you capture us. Very few, very few are successful in the sense of being gone for more than 24 hours. Very Hogan's Heroes-esque. But at the same time, they keep doing it and the Germans have to keep doing this stuff. And eventually it leads to the situation that you see in the movie The Great Escape where Mr. X, Roger Bushel, decides that we're going to make a huge breakout and really, really, really screw with the Germans in this whole thing. And right there in the middle of this whole thing is David M. Jones, the American captain. So where is he taking us now, Dave? Well, if you've watched the movie, you know that this whole breakout thing is a huge undertaking. They have to dig three tunnels, 300 feet in length. And this isn't like you're mining something in West Virginia somewhere. You don't have any equipment. You don't have any concrete. You don't have any timbers to shred up. Except, well, you got that because you keep taking them out of people's bunks, just like they portray in the movie. That actually happened. Okay. As David Jones would put it later, you participated whether you wanted to or not because you gave us your your, your bed slats uh, in, in this whole thing. He is, of course, part of this. He does do some of the digging. He does some of the 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 dirt dispersal. He one of the cool things he talks about is the dirt dispersal is a little bit different than they talk about in the movie. In the movie, they put those things, the socks over their shoulders, and he's talking about how the guards used to check the elbows of all the prisoners because the prisoners who were digging their elbows would have dirt embedded in them, and it would be a different color than the dirt underneath the huts. And so they had to wear these disgusting, and I do mean disgusting, long johns to keep the dirt from getting ground into their elbows. Okay. So if you're ever a prisoner of war, you want to think about those kind of things. At any rate, of course, they they dig the three tunnels. The One of the tunnels gets discovered and the whole uh, the whole nine yards. And then right before the escape is planned to happen, right before the whole thing is supposed to start, a bunch of the officers, including David M. Jones, get moved to the south compound of the Luftstallach. So they don't actually get to participate because the Germans, probably knowing something was up, probably planning for this, they start separating people out because, again, up to this point, they kind of see it as something of a game where you're trying to escape and we're trying to stop you. And we're all trying to pretend that the other side doesn't know what we're doing. But they keep screwing with them like that. They keep moving people around. And they move a bunch of the leaders out. And so they're not actually able to participate in the Great Escape, which then happens. 79, 78 prisoners get away. Three actually manage to make it to freedom. And, of course, the 50, 50 of the rest that are captured, are executed by the Gestapo. That is on the personal order of Heinrich Himmler via Adolf Hitler, who then has a memo put out to all the prisoners of war that says, that says, this is no longer a sport. If you try to escape, we will shoot you. 
And of course, this will become a war crime. There will be a trial for this. People will be hung for this, uh, for this murder of these 50 officers. But for our purposes and our, our show today, Mr. Jones, who knew many of the men who were shot, was not among them. He survived the war. They are relieved by Patton himself. General George Patton walks through the camp, shaking their hands. General George Patton does this. And eventually, they make it home. That enough of a life for one man? Apparently not quite, because we've got more to go. Not quite, because he ain't done yet. As you learn, he will continue to fly. And we'll tell that story as we continue in just moments here on WMMV. You want your thoughts in 321-768-1240. We pick it up in a moment. Stick with us. Report, you're getting the same echo I'm getting, and I don't know why. We're trying to figure out the technical issue. Dave Bowman with us, as Dave does, talking about um, Steve McQueen. Not really, it is uh, General David M. Jones, and he went through the Great Escape, which was more real event than movie, and now he's past that, Dave. Where are we going? So, just to refresh for folks who may have missed the early part, we're talking about a guy who was born December 18th, 1913. Major General David M. Jones. He's an Army Air Corps pilot, flies B-25s, one of the first B-25 pilots. He's actually a participant. He's a pilot in the Doolittle Raid on Tokyo. Survives that. Is sent to North Africa, where he is shot down. Survives that. Is sent to Luftstalag 3, which is... Boy, it's, it's, it's everything you can imagine... Of a of a Luftstalag, all the tropes, all the Bill. This Luftstalag actually has a secret radio transmitter, which is where Hogan's Heroes actually gets the idea for that. Really, they actually pull that directly from what happened there. The Allies know about this Luftstalag, and they are helping. They are helping out as best they can, getting stuff in and out. And it's it's a fascinating story. He survives the Great Escape. He he actually doesn't get out during the great escape, which is probably why he survives, but he survives all that. So you're talking about a guy, part of the greatest generation who has participated in two of the greatest events of world war two. And he's still not done when his unit is rescued at Luftstalag three by general Patton's third army and general Patton himself walks through the camp, shakes hands with everybody says, yay, you're free now. After uh, after a little bit of an adventure with that, he manages to go back to the States, has a reconnection time with his wife. He's pretty happy about all that. But, of course, the Air Force or the Army Air Corps still wants him. And so they begin to use him as a as a training guy. He's doing some training stuff at the training command. He actually becomes the uh, director of war plans for tactical air command at Langley Air Force Base. And it's during this time that the Air Force is formed, 
They do away with the Army Air Corps. He's transferred into the Air Force. He becomes the Director of Combat Operations for the 9th Air Force and then the 47th Bombardment Group. And then, Bill, after all of that, he decides, hey, let's be a test pilot. Because test pilots are the best of the best of the best. And he is actually the lead test pilot for a project known as the B-58 Hustler. Now, the B-58 Hustler is one of the most beautiful airplanes ever to fly. It's a delta-wing, four-wing, four-engine jet bomber designed to deliver tactical nuclear weapons. It is, like the B-25, a tricycle-geared plane, so it's very difficult to land, very difficult to, to control, and it is notorious for being difficult to fly. And yet, Major General Jones as we learned earlier, who likes to fly, and even into his uh, retirement years, likes to continue to fly. He's the guy that really helps develop this. He maintains his flight status with the B-58. And then he starts pushing other supersonic airplanes. He starts, he starts training those. He starts training uh, British pilots for the, uh, for the Skybolt and, and things like that. And if that's not enough, Bill... Then he gets a job with the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA. He's the guy that's responsible for developing the S-4B Orbital Workshop, which we know as Skylab. He's the guy that kind of develops that. And then when he's done with that, then he takes on the additional duties. He's the director of the Saturn Apollo Applications Program, which was supposed to be a follow-on to the Apollo program that never really panned out because, well, you know, budgets got cut and the likes of that. And if that wasn't enough, then he decided to become the the commander of the Air Force Eastern Test Range at Patrick Air Force Base in Cape Kennedy. All the while, by the way, as their caller pointed out earlier, still loving to fly in airplanes. When he eventually passes away at the age of 94... In 2008, he is one of the surviving, at that point, uh, Doolittle Raiders who have made uh, general rank. He is remembered primarily for that. But when they put together the movie, The Great Escape, they were trying to, you know, they had to Americanize things a little bit because of Steve McQueen being the star of the movie. And they wanted to appeal to American audiences. They started doing their research, and they discovered, hey, wait a minute, here's this American who was there. And he turned out to not only be everything that Virgil Hiltz, played by Steve McQueen, was, he actually turned out to be far more impressive than that. And I think as we remember David M. Jones on the day after his birthday, I think maybe I wonder why, you know, you and I were talking off the air earlier about Hollywood epics and TV epics. It's never been a movie about this guy. But then again, maybe just seeing Steve McQueen up there on the film and knowing that that was a real guy, not the motorcycle parts, but the rest of it, knowing that that was a real guy and he really did all those things and that the reason he was there was because he was the best B-25 pilot in the world. Maybe that's enough. Well, we can sure hope so. And although another movie, done right by the right people you you need to think about casting for this day forget the hallmark movie let's talk about this one maybe that's where we go yeah who do you cast as who do you you cast as david m jones now 
Well, I bet you we could get suggestions around here since he retired here, right? Probably could. Probably a good idea. We're back with your calls in just 60 seconds on Bill Mick Live. 321-768-1240 if you want in here. Dave Bowman with us with Dave Does History on a uh, story with a big local angle and a nice historic and Hollywood angle, too. Let's go to the phones, Dave. Line one, you're on with Bill Mick and Dave Bowman. Go ahead. Oh, this is uh, Clark, Gary Clark. Uh, I'm a station at Packers from 70, 1970 to 1974. I used to fly baby all over the place. Washington, D.C., Los Angeles. And uh, in the T-39, the guy was a great pilot. Everything you said about him, uh, he talked to us. He used to tell us when I was out at Packers. One of the greatest generals that ever lived. And I really can't believe that listening to you guys today. This is really awesome. Well, Gary? I'm 90, I'm 90 years old. And like I say, I was I flew him many, many times when I was at Patrick. That's fantastic. I appreciate you joining us and getting your thoughts in play here. That's pretty cool, Dave. Yeah, it really is. This guy is um, hes one of those people that I wish I had met in my lifetime. There is a there is a documentary out there about him. It's called A Man Named Jones, the the story of the real Virgil Hiltz. And it's not uh, you can't find it anywhere, but there are portions of it on YouTube, and I will link them up on my page today. And if you get ten minutes, thirty minutes, it's in three segments. It's really worth the watch. And what I what I'm what's remarkable to me about this guy, Bill, is you can sit down sometimes with people. And you instantaneously like them. And this is one of those guys. He just comes across as very affable. He comes across as very friendly. He comes across as really, he seems like he's a no-nonsense guy, but you can see the twinkle in his eyes. He liked messing with German, with German <laughs> Luftguards. He was, you could see it in him. And he's just, he's just a really fascinating uh, character in our history and i'm look i i get the whole hollywood angle of of americanizing films and kind of what i like to call u 571ing a story which is where you take a story from another country and you make it american i don't really think they did that with the great escape but they definitely played up you know, steve mcqueen because they had to the studio you know was investing millions of dollars in this film and they wanted him to be the star and he even with that, he really isn't the star, although he's certainly an integral character. And when you realize that he's based on a real guy who really did most of those things, with the exception of the motorcycle stuff, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's just remarkable. And that, that we don't seem to tell, tell the story or celebrate it seems odd to me. And when I saw it was his birthday yesterday, I said, that's what we're doing for Dave Does History. How did you run across this story? I came across this because two two reasons. One, I was watching The Great Escape. It just happened to be on. And what and I do what everybody does these days, right? You go to IMDb now because you want to read all the little clues and stuff. And there is a little clue in there about Virgil Hiltz is based on this character, this person. So I started looking at that person, which, of course, was David M. Jones. And then I saw that his birthday was December 18th, which just happened to be this week, for, mm -hmm. which is how I try to, 
that's how I choose topics for Dave Does History. I try to stay relevant to the dates. And I said, you know what? Let's tell that story because I don't think people know that. I didn't know it. And with the unique connection to Patrick here, that's very cool too. And, yeah. and found to be people, as we found out in this audience, that knew the, knew the guy. Knew him, flew with him, and understood that, you know, this is uh, this is what a real American hero is. Someone who who was there for all of that, and he gets the he gets the press, I, what press there is, I guess, because he becomes a major general. But you know, there were other men on his crew, and he speaks about those men on his crew with great affection, and great humor, and great love, and you can tell that he was he was a great commanding officer. And there were other men in that Luftstallock that he knew well and, and that he talks about as well. And so you see him as a very down-to-earth, very human character, a, a, a great man, a great American, and someone who I think we should just be celebrating. I really do. So my suggestion is go watch The Great Escape and then go watch uh, that document that will be linked on my page uh, at the thedavebowmanshow.com so you can do part one, part two, part three. And uh, it'll be, believe me, it'll be 30 minutes well spent. There are links at BillMick.com on the show page today that will take you to Dave's pages and, and both Dave Does History and the uh, DaveBowmanShow.com. So those links are there for you, make it easy for you to get there. It will be time well spent and wherever Dave directs you. He does a great job with this. And that's why we appreciate it. Dave Does History on these Tuesdays. Well, I sure enjoy doing them. A lot of fun. I enjoy yep. being here for the whole show, but the, the history part is what I'm passionate about. So. Oh, there's no doubt in my mind, and I appreciate what you do with it. It's uh, it's a highlight of the week, Dave, and as long as we... By the way, you're going to be out for a couple of weeks with us, right? I will definitely be out on January 2nd. won't be back till January. I'm going to try and see if I can bump my schedule around, because I didn't know you were doing a day after Christmas show. Yeah, that's when we're back to work after the holidays, the day after Christmas. <laughs> I assumed you would still be off, but I was wrong. Still taking the Fridays, though, so that's good. There a little you vacation. Go. Well, I'll, I'll well, see what I can do. <laughs>